Combo Nation. Mic check, mic check. Can they hear us now? Is this mic on? Testing one, two. All right, I think we're good. What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Combo's Court. This one was recorded from 303 Studios in Indianapolis. Had a great time at All-Star Weekend. Lots of events. Was in the building Saturday and Sunday. Just a great time. I know the uh, All-Star Game is getting a lot of backlash. We, uh, we actually recorded this one Sunday morning in Indy. Just great time, man. Great events. Shouts to Google Pixel. Shouts to Slam. Shouts to Wilson. Dribbled that airless basketball. Shouts to Finding Tony. Went to the Finding Tony private screening at Indy IMAX. Just did a lot, man. And it was a great experience. Enjoyed the All-Star game. Enjoyed All-Star Saturday. But on this one, I talk. We talk Pacers basketball with Tony East of Locked On Pacers and shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks, for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right. With code COMBO, if you put in $100, Prize Picks will match you up to $100. It's also a great way to support. This podcast, I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And without further ado, Tony East of Locked On Pacers. Let's get into it. Tony East, Locked On Pacers. Combo himself. In person, man. Good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you too. I mean, we've met so much, but virtual is just different than when you do it in person. It is, especially with All Star Weekend here. All the stars are here, including you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it exactly. is different. I've I've done like a hundred of these conversations with people all weekend. Of, Indy's the home of the NBA. It's the weirdest thing. How has it been for you, everyone descending, <laughs> on Indianapolis? It's been cool to for everybody to see it. Like it's a good city for hosting, and that's what everybody said. But also, everybody's just whining about the snow and the weather, and not everyone to come back. So it's been kind of weird hearing both those things because. It's always like this here in February, but uh, it's been fun. It's been cool. To, you know, they, they had all this infrastructure built for the Super Bowl when it was here like 13, 14 years ago, and all that's been being reused and repackaged for the stuff, so it's, it's been pretty sweet. It, have you been doing a lot of like interviews with players, and how's that, how's that been going? What have been like, your biggest takeaways? Like, you, know, it, it, you know, some players keep a PC, but then some players will you know, have their viral moments. Anything yeah. like that? really you've taken away from your interview so far my favorite one was i didn't even plan this one was vince carter uh oh, he, cool. he got into the hall of fame this weekend or it's a finalist not in but i didn't even plan to talk to him but he was there and doing stuff and i wanted to know if he remembered he had a a double clutch reverse dunk against the pacers in the 90s i want to know if he remembered it and he the exact quarter who was under the rim who was defending him who was sliding over into the basket so he had to clutch like he remembered the play perfectly and it was a fun day for him to be in the Hall of Fame, not only because you might be in the Hall of Fame, but earlier in the day, everybody's talking about their dream dunk contest, and every young player is picking Vince Carter, right? So he had a really cool day. He got to be honored, and literally all these young players are gassing him up, and he remembered everything from that play. I'm going to have to write about it. It was awesome. Uh, that was very impromptu, though. I got to talk to Obi Toppin yesterday one-on-one -on -one for a while at a deli. You're a New Yorker. You can appreciate of Obi Toppin. But there's not a lot of delis out here. No. You know no. What? I was it was a pop-up. <laughs> I, I was walking through Indianapolis, and there's no bodegas. We call them bodegas in yeah, New yeah. York. 
and there's no delis, but there's a bunch of sushi spots. A bunch of sushi what, spots. I don't even like you sushi. Go, what's what's the sushi me. in the Annapolis connection? What is you, that? The sea, you know, the seafood. you got to be right here, obviously, <laughs> in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I, uh, but Obi was very excited. He said it was actually pretty good. He's, he called up the owner. He said he's going to go, and he gets back up there. So, yeah, yeah that was, those are two fun guys to talk to. But Vince, I mean, a legend, like, so many iconic basketball moments. Yeah. I didn't, didn't even plan to talk to him. It was sweet. Was yeah, nice. you mentioned the dunk contest. All-Star Saturday was yesterday. I was in the building. It was interesting. I mean, the biggest takeaway for me, the funnest part for me, was Steph Curry versus Sabrina. And I felt like no matter what Sabrina did, Steph Curry would just rise to the occasion because it was somewhat of a slow start for him. But then he just, that guy's just different. Like, you saw the whole three-point contest beforehand. And then when you watch him go, it's like, this dude is really different. And that's after you see, like, Dame and all these great shooters shoot. And Sabrina's obviously a great shooter. He just he just rose to the occasion. Dude, it looks so easy, too. Like, yeah. He's, his form's just perfect for that kind of event. And, like, yeah, he started slow. I thought he wasn't going to win because she did really well. She right? did really well. She, and I, she did the NBA line. I think she would have beat everybody in the – I can't remember who what Dame's last score was. But I think she would have beat everybody in the first contest. And he's just like, oh, no, this is, this is nothing for me. So let me ask you this. You think if she went from the women's line, she would have won? Yeah, probably. I mean, that's really? what she's usually. But the, so the thing is, she just played FIBA for Team USA, and that line is, I think, a little different than the W line. It is. So it she, is. Yeah, so she's ready, for, she's ready for the deeper line, right? So yeah. I'm glad she did that because like, now there's nothing anybody can say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. She matched him up and did very well, like, as respectable as it could be. My theory of the whole time was whoever went second was going to win. Like, when you know the number, I think that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped him because yeah, he turned yeah, up. Right. Like he, I mean, he's a guy who rises to the occasion, so it definitely helped him. But, but it, it, I just wanted to – I wonder if she would have shot for the women's line if it would have been a different story. And, and I think, like, it would have been good for both of them if Sabrina won. You know, like, that, it's not going to hurt Steph if, she loses, if he loses to Sabrina. No, neither of them are taking a legacy hit yeah. if they lose that one, right? I think they were – you know, I, was, I went down to talk to him after the event down below. It sounds like they want to expand it to – like have a partner in it and have it be like a, a four-man show. I would assume that they didn't say this, but I would assume Steph's partner would be Clay. But I don't know who Sabrina would bring, Caitlin or a different pro or something. But that's I think what the next evolution they want is. Yeah. Get the next next shooters in there. You know, even the skills challenge was fun for me because I, it, Tyrese was drafted pandemic year, right? Like he didn't play in summer league. Yeah. So yeah. I, I realized, oh, like I I like Tyrese's game since um, Ohio State. Sorry. Iowa State, yeah. And then I didn't get to see him play in Summer League because I'm at Summer League every year. I'm like, oh, this is the first time I'm seeing Tyrese in person. And just from the skills challenge, his game just, like, flows differently. Like, the way he handles, the way he passes, the way he shoots. I know that's not a real game, but just the way, like, flow is the word I thought of when I watched him get up and down the court. He, like, cared about the skills challenge, too, which was pretty funny. Yeah, you're right. And, like, it's made for him. Like, his whole game is... He's better at every, like almost everything than a lot of people. You know, I'd say Steph's the only guy who can match his like playmaking and shooting right now in the league. You know, yeah, he's not the best passer. You know, he's not the best. Trey's efficiency is not good enough to do it. Right, and James. James is not the same James, but he's been great. Actually, I think James he's, has my, been shooting more I, this year, so maybe. Yeah, I, I that's think true. He's a he's a he's an underrated passer, great passer. I actually thought he should have been an All Star. Him and Sabonis. Yeah, it's, I have trouble with All Star when you like. Get traded, and you're in two conferences during the season, even though he got traded so early. I yeah. thought Sabonis should have been one. We can get yeah, to that That's later. a big snub. It's that cat for me. We'll, yeah. we'll get there if we get there. Yeah, uh, yeah he, you know, he clearly cared, and, like, it was funny, like, watching him in the passing one because he's a good passer. Like, it's made for him. Like, no one's, a, no one's psyched about passing. He's like, yes, I get to pass in this kills challenge, right? So I was talking to him before when he was, like, practicing the relay round, you know, with the map. 
and he was actually practicing the self pass off the backboard. I was like, Ty, you're not you're not dunking. He's like, if we have a big enough lead, I'm gonna dunk it. And then they smoked him, so he got to dunk it. So like he was planning out his every move. He was ready. Yeah, the dunk contest, man. I mean, it, it was it that bad though. I, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think <laughs> Mac actually jumps higher now. Even though, like, I think last year was a surprise, but like his head was on the rim. Yeah. <laughs> it's he's crazy. I mean, he he should do it every year, like until he loses, I think. But when people were booing because the Jalen Brown scores were just wait, he dunked, dunked it and then. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? There's a great cam review from the crowd of the Jalen Brown. He jumped over that, that streamer, and he just completely whiffed the first one. <laughs> the ball went flying. And from the crowd, because there's heads below where the guy's sitting in the chair, you can't see him. So it looks like Jalen Brown just jumps over nothing and then loses the ball. Like He had a lot of dunks like that would have looked stupid if it wasn't the dunk contest. But Mac McClung did well. Like He was interesting. He's going to be good every year. You didn't think the brother duo was there, was interesting? I talked to Obi about it before. I thought it was. I thought Jacob should have been in the finals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some good stuff. He had some good stuff. Like he had the cool uh, shirt on with his brother. I thought, I thought the whole thing was dope. You know, a lot of Knicks fans listen to my podcast, so what I wanted to hear from you is, like, what have you thought about Obi's development over the course of this year? The big thing that... The Pacers always talk about, like, I asked Rick Carlisle a bunch of questions about this. Is like, you've watched him forever. Like, for some, something about Obi Toppin's combo of athleticism and, like, being so lanky, dude. Yeah. Like, he can't slow down very well when he's running full speed. So that's why they thought he was not a great shooter is because he would be, like, leaning or, like, off balance when he shoots because he's moving too fast. So they worked so hard about, like, stopping in his jumper or, like, just in general that kind of control when on the move. And so a lot of the stuff you guys – in New York, know about Obi is the same, right? He's still a freak in transition. Yeah. Remember the East Bay in New York and with yes, it in the yes, game, but like yes. he still tries to do all that kind of stuff, right? That Obi will never go away. But he's shooting threes pretty well this year, and that has really transformed what they're able to do with him as a player. And that's a lot of Rick working with him and being like, okay, like really settle down and like make sure you're totally set on these threes because you can hit them, dude. Like if you're relaxed, you can hit them, and he has. And that's made him so much more valuable than just some dude who can run and transition for them and come off the bench. Like, he started for a lot of the season, and, you know, I don't – with Pascal here, he won't anymore. But, you know, he's been valuable to them, and I think that's been the biggest part of it. And they've been really harping on rebounding with him too because they're a terrible rebounding team, and he can get up and get them. So those two things have really stood out about where he's kind of fit in and ways I, I didn't expect because, like – when you have athleticism like that, yeah, it's going to be everywhere. No matter where you play, that's going to stand out and right. shine. So to like add other little things, I actually wasn't that high on that trade when they did it. Really? Now it's now now I get it more because if they believed in him as a shooter at all or a rebounder, it makes a lot more sense. But yeah, yeah. At first, I mean, they didn't need another yucky defender on their team. They can't stop you and I. I mean, they can, but you know, right. they're yeah. That's so like you mentioned his athleticism, and that's interesting because there's different facets of athleticism. Of athleticism, but you know he gets off the air. So he gets in the air so well, jumps so high. But then, when you look at the lateral movement, I remember covering him in the draft. Like it, it wasn't great. No. It's still not right, and like yeah. that's what like tight hips maybe. It's what holds him so much on defense. Yeah, he's like he's like really upright all the time. Yes. I think the hips are a big part of that, right? So like if someone can, like like a TJ McConnell guy who's got this low center of gravity is fast. They're just yeah, they're yeah, just getting yeah. right, and they're on the same team obviously, but like they're just getting right by him every time. So. Being like being a better rebounder and shooter, they can play him at the five some, and then he's guarding the five, right? So like that's a lot easier too. And they just figured out a role that makes sense for him. I don't know what you know with Jarris and Pascal like long term how they feel about him, but right now, I mean, fitting in well and and looking better than he did before. And that's what he had been like. 
when he guarded, he was their matchup choice for Wembenyama earlier in the season. He did a really good job. Really? Like he's had, yeah, he's had a why, few, why do you think versus Wemby he was okay? Because Wemby's so tall, he can't get low and like get side to side very well yet, you know? I mean, maybe recently. You've seen Wemby. Nah, he, <laughs> I, I saw him get low before, bro. But <laughs> I, wa- I set alarms to watch the Spurs, dude. He's like, it's unbelievable. But early in the season, and it was the Spurs' first back-to-back. So yeah, and probably Sohan was playing point guard yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Was, yeah, they were like a joke back then. It, he actually did a really good job on him, and, and that was like impressive to me. He's had a few. It's not often, but he's a few games like that. We're like, oh, Obi's kind of defending, but yeah, it's. I think the shooting, in particular, is the biggest thing. We're like, oh, okay, this is yeah. this, this is, and then even if he goes to another team, that's gonna matter. Yeah. Uh, speaking of trades, I, I felt like the Pacers didn't get enough for Buddy Hield. <sighs> yeah. It, well, I just thought that was strange because you trade three firsts to get Pascal. Like you're trying to be better right now, and then. Three weeks later, you're traded away, buddy. Healed, so it's been reported by a couple people now. Like he kind of wanted to be traded. I think financially, it makes sense for him to be somewhere that you know they're going to need his bird rights to pay him next year in Philly, and his role is going to be way bigger there than it was at the Pacers. Hundred percent. Like the thing, the the, the weird thing that, I, and then I get why people didn't notice this because it was only one game. But the only time post the Siakam trade, the Pacers were fully healthy as a team was two games before the trade deadline, and Buddy Hill played 11 minutes. Right, and like that's what his role is going to be with these guys, and so it, if he also like welcomed a change of scenery, it kind of made I guess it made sense for him to explore, even though I still think they should have tried yeah. to ride it out with him if they could have, because no yeah, one, people yeah. people are afraid of him, right? Like off the ball. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah gravity. I mean, the Sixers really needed just the volume of shots and the efficiency yeah. on top of that. Like the Sixers just don't get enough threes up. So have you watched him since the trade? He's killing it. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I mean, he's a he's a really good player, and a lot of it's situation for him. You know, like a different situation could change everything. When you have a player that just fills a gap in that way, and that's what you need, like sometimes it just really pops. Yeah, and I, so I wonder if knowing all that about the trade and it happening, and also you know, you, the Pacers have enough shooting in a way. You know, but Pascal's their worst shooter that plays. Yeah, but he brings he brings so much, yeah. and I know the record's only been what eight and ten in the last eighteen games, right? But I, he brings he fills a lot of gaps at the same time, and him and Halliburton minutes have been good. I'm sure we'll talk to him. Oh my god, the, the, like destroying everybody. Their bench has been so bad since the trade for some reason. But with Buddy, so I wonder with all that stuff, like if their goal is just let's just get the best draft pick we can and call it a day because. And because they thought he might leave, right? Yeah, 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 maybe so, right? Like they couldn't get the extension done last summer, so if they realized they could get that good pick and hopefully get McDermott, who can, I guess, be a shooter. He's different, you know. We all know that, but he can still make threes. He had three in their last game. Like maybe that's all how it came together for them. But yeah, it's 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 tough to lose a guy like that. And he he was so funny to talk to, man. I I miss talking to Buddy Hield every day. He was a it's a funny guy. He was one of the big trade guys. So the the big trade guys were Bogdanovich, uh, OG, and Buddy. Like, they were yeah. in every trade scenario, <laughs> and then they're all gone. And then, you know, the only one that actually, like, the Raptors got a lot for OG, but when it comes to yeah. Bogey and Buddy, they, they, they didn't get as much as you would think because you always heard those guys in, like, Laker conversations, and it was always, like, two first rounds or three first rounds. Like Shafino in a first or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then now we see this. I guess, I guess the market's always changing. I'm sure you like the Knicks getting, I mean, a lot of stuff for not, not giving up very much to do it. Yeah, I mean, well, pe- people miss quickly. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. For people people miss quickly. But with the RJ thing, like. And they, they need another guy to handle now. Yeah. After that. 
Yeah, RJ, you know, RJ is a pretty good player. Just OG fits the NBA and the Knicks so much so, better than RJ, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's so funny to me that he, like, fits so well in New York. Because nothing about, like, I knew him at IU a little bit. Like, nothing about OG screamed New Yorker to me. But he, dude, he's perfect for that place. He's been great. And that, it, quickly, it's just, obviously, it hurts to lose him. But he wasn't going to play enough. I mean, like, he couldn't be quickly there. So I think if you can get Bojan and Burks for that price, and like they look awesome, healthy, they make yes. That, I mean, healthy. It's a huge concern. It is. They got a lot of injuries, especially with Tibbs and the minutes he does, which is fine. You're gonna win games doing that, but it's risky. Yeah, you run into this kind of stuff. But yeah, buddy, biggest name traded maybe on deadline day. I don't know yeah. what you think, but maybe so. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't a big day. No. Yeah. Murray didn't move. The other Atlanta Pat Scal was the best player that got traded in the whole the whole season. Well, Harden, but that was so early true, that true. It, that felt like an offseason trade to everybody. True. And they were they were like the media wasn't treating Harden <laughs> like he was a top thirty guy. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, that was weird. That I was thought weird. the Heat should have got him. For if they could have got him for that, they price, would be dangerous. Man. I know they would be. Dangerous. I'm surprised because they were so in on Dame and like Drew that. Dame, I mean, Dame was another one that would have been great. Harden's been better than Dame this year too. Yes, which is crazy. Yes. Yeah, even though Dame, even though Dame's starting in the All Star game, but Harden can't get it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't even sniff it. The West is crazy though. I mean, can yeah. You, like Fox didn't even have a chance hardly with the guards out in the West. But. Yeah. We saw Dame time yesterday though. Oh, yeah. he, he came. He came up big. And now he gets to do it in Oakland next year, which is sick for him personally. To yeah. repeat there, but yeah, that that he would have been really good with James Harden on that team. I mean, they're. Their ball handling was so bad, they needed Terry Rozier, like, bad, right? Yeah. Like, they weren't getting up from their guards, and Hero's best role is off the bench to me with them, and so. Yes, yes, they need 100%. A, he's a guy who can be a setup guy for that starting five. Harden would have been a good fit there. I don't know why they didn't pursue that more. Yeah, they should have. I, I was saying it back then, I thought they made a big mistake. Speaking of, we, we talked about Pascal a little bit, but what have, what did you expect when he came on the team, and what have you seen so far? Yeah, I thought I like right away the biggest help would be Ty didn't have to do everything right. Like so many games, and th- he can do it. You know, we've seen it, but like so many games, it's just like he is the setup guy. Every possession, he needs to be looking for a shot down the stretch. Yeah. Like if he plays thirty six minutes, he's gonna touch the ball. Like every possession is in the game. Like that's a lot. And so there was that stretch in late December. I don't know how much you were watching the Pacers then, where teams were trapping him so aggressively, and it was the first time he had seen it like that. And he figured it out after a while. He always, that's what he is good at. Like, you figure that stuff out. But they needed that valve guy. Like, if Ty throws it out and it's four on three, Pascal's going to bust it and find a good shot every time. So that's where I thought he'd be the best fit. But this is kind of weird to explain. But the Pacers are such a three and rim team. You know, yes. But Pascal seemed like he filled that gap. He, yeah, the, everything else. Right? Yes, yes, and, yes. And he's so good at them that it's a good shot for him to shoot from the elbow or, what you know, any mid-range shot, right, honestly. Right. But... So just like if you're a team that's just so locked in on, you know, you can't just drop to get to the rim easier. You can't just be flying out to, to shooters all the time because there's this guy who can catch it from 15 feet, do two dribbles, turn, shoot over you, and it's like a very efficient shot. And I don't know what the right word f- for it is because that breakup of styles almost seems like it shouldn't help, but it does, right? It makes it just harder for well, a team. Also, to in the playoffs, I mean, oh, yeah, that's late game situation, shot clock's going down. You can't just always play rip-and-run basketball. Yeah. Yeah, Ty can. I think Ty can, but you, you, they'll but they'll but, load up on him. I mean, but when the score is like 
99 to 101. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if they're going to be flying up and down the court and just playing like free flowing basketball. Yeah. Like you need a guy like Pascal who's going to like take two hard dribbles, spin, and get his own bucket. You know. And and that was an interesting part about it is like, if you doing that kind of trade for Pascal, something you do after you have a playoffs and realize you need a player like that. You know, like it's really interesting they identified it as something they needed now, or they haven't played in the postseason yet because. And Pascal hasn't been that awesome in the playoffs throughout his career. We'll see where the title year he was. Yeah, I mean, with Ty, that might change. I agree. When he's not the expected to you know, hit the big shots later yeah. or something like that. But, yeah, that's a good point in the postseason that that will be even more valuable. And I just, in my head, Tyrese has taken any final shot or doing a setup. But if you have another guy who can or yeah. someone else who's got a matchup, I mean, that always makes sense. Yeah, if you think about it, like all the league's best players, you know, People talk about the mid-range being dead, and it's only dead from a standpoint that we don't catch and shoot right. uh, mid-range anymore. But the assisted mid-rangers are dead. Exactly, but to, but like in the playoffs, you need a guy to get in the mid-range and get a bucket. Actually, Halley's been better at that than people thought he would be coming coming out of college, right? It's funny because the, he had this shot last year he went to all the time where it was like this this hook shot, and it never went in, it felt like, right? <laughs> right it was right. such a weird like eight-footer. And then this year he's turned him into floaters or like just like just stopping – Pop, put it up. Yeah. And those are way better, right? Those are going in. So, and I think he needed it because everybody knows, like I was saying with the Pacers, like if he's not taking a three, just defend the rim and you'll contest it. So all he's got to do is have that counter in between and all of a sudden the yeah. defense has to think. So not, <laughs> I keep doing it. Like everyone, anyone's going to know what I'm talking about, but he would like, it was almost like he would be running this way and shoot it like this. Yeah. I like mean, a, but it wasn't a sky hook. It was a lot of players that can't get into their jump shot. will go to the hook or the floater, yeah. you know? But yeah. And and that's such a good counter for the three. Like it made Karis LeVert way better when he was a young player. I'll never forget that because I was I loved him coming out of Michigan. And so Ty needed a floater, and that's been a big part of that. And I think that'll be huge late game in playoffs too if he can go to it. But yeah. floaters I, are scary. I think um, the missing piece to Scotty Barnes' game is actually like that mid range. If he gets that off the dribble mid range, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be curtains. He's so herky jerky, dude. Like, yeah, he is if tough. He, if he can just all of a sudden pull up in your face. It's. Yeah, he got the hard stuff down, like all the athleticism, the size, and the feel for the game, and the passing. And the, he can control a lot of weird stuff, he is, which is a compliment, even though that sounds mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, like he does just a lot of, what's he doing? But it's so in control and weird, and defenders don't know what to do with it. Yeah, how has it been for you seeing Rick Carlisle embrace the modern style of basketball? He had to change a lot, right, because he got here, and they their starting five was, was uh, Brogdon, Lavert, TJ Warren, okay, Sabonis, yeah, and Turner, yeah. right? And so, first of all, that's not a modern team. That's a, they don't have that much shooting. But that's also like they're trying to win with that team, right? And they needed a better coach to help them win. They got Rick. Rick's won a title. Rick's trying to win every year with Dallas, except for Luca's rookie year, right? Like, he's trying to win. And then they had a game on TNT that year. And, you know, the Pacers were bad with that crew to start the year. And they're at, Rick Carlisle apparently told TNT that day, like, yeah, I didn't sign up for a rebuild. And then they did. They rebuilt. And so I think him evolving with the game has been... Did it feel like a hard rebuild, though? Trading Sabonis for Tyrese was... As a, I mean, it, it's, it became not a rebuild fast because he was so good okay, so yeah, right away. Fast, yeah. But, I mean, that feels like a, a nose... But they were bad that year already. Yeah, That's yeah. why I think the perception was kind of strange. But for him evolving and changing, some of it was that they had to, right? You can't play two bigs. You just can't. But some of it was that he had to recalibrate, like, okay, I'm a rebuilding coach now, right? Like, what, what do I have to think about differently? How do I strategize our stuff? And you know what? I'm going to use a football analogy. You know what actually has really made it click is 
you know, Bill Belichick always would talk about like seeing the game through Tom Brady, right? And that's how he evolved as a as a football coach and and run the Patriots offense. I think Rick has done this with all his stars: Dirk, Luca, mm-hmm. J. Kid, seeing the game through their eyes and then playing a style that makes sense like that. I think that happened with Ty. We'll have it with Luca. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like he he made Luca better, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. If and even back happen. then, he was like. You know, there's not a lot of value in Porzingis post ups. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he know. was all over that, and like that yeah. was like 2018 or something, right? Like, yeah. And he was right. KP right now is killing it without yeah, pick and any, pop. Yeah, he's not posting up at all. Pick Actually, the Celtics last game they played before the break, he had like three post ups in the first quarter. He, they were just dumping it into him. I forget who they were playing, but um, yeah. So I think he just he realized like, okay, this Halberton, can his vision's unbelievable. He's so good in transition. He's so good in the open floor. No one can run with us. That's what we'll become. We'll become that kind of team. And he figured out how they could be that and what they needed to be to play that well. And that's how he evolved is they had to rebuild. He didn't expect it. And so he had to figure out how to adapt and change the team to, to fit that guy. And it's worked great. But now they need another guy to, to help, and that's what Pascal can hopefully be. Yeah, before the season when Dame came into the Bucks. Uh, I just thought that they were going to win the East because I believe in Dame and Giannis as playoff performers more than anybody else. Do you feel like they'll get it together at some point? I mean, I thought they, I thought that a lot. Like they were, they were sixteen and five or something, right? And I had watched them probably five, six times at that point. Never was impressed, not a single time. Even though they'd win, like mm. they, they had a game against the Mavs. I was like, okay, that looks good. But they, they would always like win by three or like some random guy would have a nice game or a terrible game for the other team. It was just strange. Like, they never felt that good. And then they finally got a little threatening, and then they fired their coach. And so now it's like a whole new thing, and I get why they did it. But so, something's been off with that team, and, like, Portis and Connaughton haven't been as good as they need them to be for sure. But that's, like, not the headliner to me. Dame hasn't been as efficient. His three is at, what, 34 and a half mm-hmm. or something this year? And I think he's learning to play off of somebody else. He's never had to do that ever. But – I want to say I think they'll click for the same reasons you do. Like, those guys in the playoffs are fantastic. We've seen it with Giannis winning a championship already. But that team's old, and they haven't clicked at all. So I'm, I'm almost, like, running out of time for that belief. Yeah, and, and the defense hasn't been great. But how? I can't – I don't get that. Like, I get that they lost Drew, but you well, shouldn't be going from – They changed the scheme up originally. T- yeah, and then they went back to yeah. dropping more. But yeah, yeah. even then they haven't been better, right? Like – I Maybe watched, that's an adjustment, you know, just getting yeah. back to what you were doing before. So, I, I mean, I was at Vegas for the season tournament, right? And, like, three times when the Pacers played the Bucks, Bucks would score. And then the Pacers would just throw it in, turn and look up. Isaiah Jackson's wide open after a make in transition. Yeah. Like, I, they're lost in transition defense. It doesn't make any sense. They're a veteran team. You know, if they were young, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But how do you lose guys like that? It's just like they're not paying attention, if that makes any sense. Like, I didn't really – I know Drew's an amazing defender, but – I wouldn't think that losing him would just make everybody a disaster. I don't think that's the only reason. It's not. It, it can't be. Yeah. yeah. It, it, just because he left doesn't mean that's the reason why their defense is terrible. You know? Going from second to what are they, 22nd or something crazy? It's nuts. Yeah, has it improved a little bit since Doc? That's... He, well, they, their first game they played Denver, right? And I think they lost. Like, well, they did, they did beat Denver recently. They, yeah, they, they needed that because yeah. they have some, some terrible losses in this stretch. Like that Heat game they played, no Jimmy at home, and they got just throttled. Oh, man, that was awful. But they only gave up, like, 113 to the Nuggets. They lost by four, I think, five. And Doc was like, yeah, it was an offensive loss. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But they haven't, like, I think they're four and six since they hired yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, So, I don't know. Like, at some point, it's a new coach. Like, I'll give him time. But at some point, it's like, 
the new coach can't fix it either. It's it's a player's thing. So either they got to step up or figure out some schematic thing because I thought they'd be better too, but they're like creaky. You know, they're old. They need like an athletic dude. I don't care who it is. Just some guy who can have some bounce and run. Yeah. But I don't know who it is. And they obviously can't trade. Them. I mean, yeah. And it's, what, that's, not, that's usually not in the bio market. No, never. <laughs> never. You know, usually you got like a vet. <laughs> some Another creaky guy, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and Giannis is, is bouncy, kind of, but not like in the, you know what I mean? There's a difference between his athleticism and what they need. But, yeah, I don't, I don't view them that, that threatening anymore. I still think they'll probably win in the first round, but I'd probably pick Knicks, Cavs, and Sixers, and Celtics over them in the second round right now. I mean, I think most people would have the Celtics winning it all oh, in general. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, like four games better than everybody right now. It's yeah, but Cavs are actually hotter recently. Did they win like seventeen of eighteen? I think, I think I'm picking Jokic over everybody in the playoffs after last year. hundred percent. Even the Celtics, but 100%. that would be that Celtics series would be hard to pick. I mean, dude, he just. I mean, if Jokic plays like he did in the playoffs <laughs> in the finals, no other team's winning. He, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. They, you can have one good game, I think, against the Nuggets, but then Jokic figures it out, and then you're toast because now you're trying to figure him out. And you're yeah. on the back foot. It's over, right? Like, that's what made... The Suns winning two games was actually very impressive to me. Like, that... I, ne- I never believed in them, like, from the beginning. I don't know. I just... I feel like if you keep those three together, maybe next year you have a chance. But I just don't think you could throw those three guys together without, like, enough depth. And the depth got better, actually, after the trade deadline. But yeah. I just felt like there was a redundancy in skill set, and they would really have to figure it out. So I think the two teams with the best chance to beat Jokic would be them and Dallas. I see what you're saying. Because... I see what you're saying. They could just, like, have offensive nights. You know what I mean? Like, no... And no one could stop. Like the, the Kings won't five. beat Denver because they're going to try and beat Denver by being like Denver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the perimeter guys of Phoenix and like, yeah. I mean, I'm. It's hard to pick against Luka, <laughs> even though he hasn't won anything. It's just he's so good. Like I think those two teams would be the toughest two for them in a playoff setting, more so than Boston. Even though Boston's the best team by a good amount right now. I mean, they're just throttling everybody. Yeah, Boston is. They, I, yeah, I just I don't know. Miles said last night he thinks Boston's the best team. Yeah, they played this year. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. He's I mean, he played against Denver twice. Yeah. He he's previously said on I forget what it was that the Jokic the Shambor shuffle is the hardest shot to defend. Like. <laughs> of course. And I mean everybody's gonna say that. So like to have that respect for Jokic and then say no the Celtics were the hardest team. They beat Celtics twice, right? Yeah. I think players think the Celtics are the best team, but I can't. I'm not picking against Jokic until he loses because. <laughs> No one stopped. That starting five is perfect for him. Like, he's just going to tear everybody up. Yeah, you believe, who do you believe in more, like, to make a deep playoff push, the Lakers or the uh, Warriors? <laughs> Can I pick, if they're, they're going to make it? Like, <laughs> they're going to play in the first playing game, right? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be high level. Probably. I want to see OKC play against one of those teams. That's what I want to see. That'd be a perfect I want to see, I want to see SGA take one of those teams out because that's what SGA <laughs> becomes a household name. That's true. Or Ant, either one, honestly. True, but Ant's even Ant. more household than SGA yeah, right now, yeah. you know? He had USA, and yeah, yeah. And the, he was all right in the playoffs last year. SGA was great for Canada, but it's different. USA, you know. You know. Um, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be perfect for them, too, because everybody could be like, every, you know, everybody's going to talk about if it's OKC versus either of those teams is experience. It matters, you know, and I don't know. I believe more in the Warriors than the Lakers because, one, they have the track record, obviously, but... Now that Kuminga has been, I mean, holy, yeah, yeah, yeah. holy smokes, he's been good for the last But month. they tried to trade him for LeBron, right? <laughs> I mean, he probably would have had to be in that Oh, deal, 100%. Right? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I actually am looking. Would you do that if you were the Warriors? Trade for LeBron or trade Kuminga for LeBron, you mean? Kuminga in a package, yeah, for LeBron. 
I would. Yeah, I probably would. I would yeah, 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 yeah. I would. <laughs> That's so crazy. That, I mean, like, I know there were rumblings for forever that Draymond really wanted to play with Braun, but I always assumed it'd be you Draymond know, going I to mean, the Lakers, not the other way around. I mean, LeBron is such a great player that sometimes you don't even have to think about fit, but that's just a weird fit, it him is. and Draymond. Like, like, <laughs> like, Draymond does the things that LeBron does at such a lower level, but they're kind of like, I mean, you know, they initiate offense, they're point forwards in a way, but just LeBron is like on a totally different level, you know? They're, they're similar archetypes, if you will. That's a, that's, that's funny to imagine, yeah. Yeah. I picked I picked the Warriors. I think. I mean, again, Kaminga better. Wiggins is playing okay. Now yes. again. Yes. And not good, but okay, which is yeah. enough for them. And Clay came off the bench and dropped over thirty. I wonder, what do you think they'll do now? You think they'll keep him there? The thing is, though, like, what's it? What would be his trade value? Did they have a choice? No, no. You know, it, it's always the interesting. Pods are so so good. It's always interesting. Like this happened with D'Lo and this happened with Randall before too where it's like when they're playing bad everybody wants to trade them but that's when you could get the least. Right. right. Like you, you kind of don't you want to trade them when they're on trending upwards? Yeah. You know? Well, but Like Buddy for the Pacers this year was shooting 38% from three which is still good. Yeah. But, like not, but for him. It's, yeah. It's not, not, good, not good for him, right? So all these fans like you gotta trade this guy. He's playing like crap. I'm like who wants him? If you're saying he's this bad why, why would somebody want him? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, He's obviously still valuable. So, yeah, I don't think they can trade Clay, but Pods has been so good, like, starting for them. and You think he got star potential? He's good, man. He's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, he's good. His career path makes no sense. He was not good at Illinois, and then just all of a sudden is like, this awesome player at Santa Clara and should have been a lottery pick all of a sudden. Like, who is this kid? But he's great. Yeah. So, all of a sudden they got some interesting young guys, and everybody's in the right role. Maybe it'll click. I think they need Looney to be better, though, too. To like, I don't know if that's happening. I, I don't think it will. But yeah, for, I, think, I think there's probably a better chance of like Wiggins and Clay heating up. <laughs> for, yeah. for, for, no, even if they do, to win a series, if they, if they have to go Draymond at the five all the time, yeah. I don't know if they can do it. Yeah. They're, too, they're older. Yeah, let's finish with the Pacers. What were your expectations going into the season? Have they changed now? They got Pascal now. <laughs> and like, what would you consider a successful season here on out? I thought they'd be like a 500 team and then maybe squeak in, play in. They all wanted to make the playoffs before the year, so I think it makes sense that they ended up being buyers, but they're, they're definitely better than I thought, right? But they're weird. I, I don't know how you feel about this, like, since you used to play. They, you know, beaten Boston twice, beaten Milwaukee four times, beaten Cleveland twice, beaten Philly twice, beaten the Knicks twice. They, their top end is like, oh, man, this team could beat anybody. And then they've lost the Wizards. They lost the Hornets twice. They lost the Blazers twice, right? Like... That's what makes it so hard to pin them down is at their best, you're like, they're clearly better than their record, but they can't beat these crappy teams. Even at home, they lost to, to Charlotte and Portland. So it's hard for me to exactly pin down what they are because record-wise, they're better than I thought they'd be. They're going to be an over 500 team, but I don't know what I think, I think they can do. I think when you play fast and you shoot a lot of threes and you play into there the is. analytics, there's more variance. There is. There is. Yeah. But you still got to be beaten. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's got to be like an, like an adult factor to it you know what i mean like they're they're young groups though but. well i think pascal was that guy to come in and you know be that he, he's not really that analytic type player he's like more of that you know traditional star really in a lot of ways you know that is true it, it, it's, it's almost like the hornets are good they lost the hornets like last week i know oh, the hornets good now it's so weird but uh <laughs> they're, they're like okay. let me let me tell you no they're not good. three in a row bro you're not a assignment but you, you don't like it's part of the reason why we were seeing 70 point games it's just a lull yeah, before yeah. the the break. And, the, and they'll win some more games probably when the um, playoffs are about to roll around, you know, when people start, That's you true. know. Yeah. But 
so for the Pacers, like I think now they're clearly they're trying to get sixth, or maybe even higher with Embiid out for so long. They can do it. They're good enough. Their schedule's really easy in the rest of the season, but they haven't earned the right for me to say that because they lose to bad teams, right? So it's hard to say like, oh, their schedule's easy. They could lose to anybody with that. Yeah, it is high variance for sure. So I think they're better than I thought. They're a little ahead of schedule. They were already better when they got Pascal, but it's hard to pin down exactly what I think they can do in the playoffs because if they can, whoever they play, if they're sixth, whoever is in the top five, they'll beat them multiple times. Yeah. This season, but I still wouldn't pick them to beat anybody in a playoff series because they haven't been there yet. And over half their rotation, right? Halberton, Jalen Smith. Um, I should be quicker with these answers. Nemhard, Matherin, Neesmith. They're all in their first four years in the league, right? Yeah. Like even if they have some experience, they haven't all together for that long, and haven't been in the league that long to like be ready for that battle together. I think they'll do well, but I don't think they can win it. You think, think you think Rick needs to narrow down the rotation going into the playoffs? I mean, yeah. everybody narrows it down in the playoffs, but just like, you know, I got my core seven, core eight guys. It's hard to figure out who they'd cut out because, yeah. like, the last time they were in the playoffs, it was TJ McConnell. But then they're like... Nah, they need him. They do. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. They need him to play, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes, right? And the other guy would be Obi, who also is in the first four years that I just talked about. He's been in the playoffs with the Knicks, but... Yeah, if I'm picking between uh, TJ and Obi, Obi right? yeah, 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 and I like Obi, but and then and then it's just Pascal, Neesmith, and there's your whoever else. Neesmith's been good. He's been good. It's been great yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he's not getting most improved, but I get. I actually know why he's not. But so I think they're gonna be six, seventh, or eighth, and I think the whole story for them in the second half will be can they stay in six or even maybe get to five and catch Philly. But I don't. I don't, I don't think they can. So is the highlight of the season the, the midseason? Uh, Run. <laughs> that's the see. That's it. Like high variance Pacers, man. Like yeah, they could be. They could be anybody. They would be good in a March Madness style, which the yeah. end season tournament kind of was. was. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the end season? Yeah, it was man. Awesome. It was like, like I thought it was a good idea, and then when it went all the way through, I thought it was a great idea. My only thing was it's it's only going to be a bad idea if the players don't care, and they and, ca- and, and they you, cared. I mean, a million dollars is <laughs> it's cash. Is a cash good, is, is cash. A great incentive. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, and it's. I'll be interested to see Halberton in a series style because he's kind of like Jokic where once he, like, sees what a defense is doing and can adjust and feel it out. Like he'll be good. He'll be good. He'll be good. Right? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But I want to know what that looks like, and, and they'll know what they need and how they need to adjust their team. Like, they need Buddy Hield. No, I'm joking. They might, <laughs> for, for real. But even if they lose, like, as long as they don't get swept and get embarrassed, like, they're going to learn a lot about their own themselves, which I think is valuable. It's, it's so, like, it's so dumb to say that, right? Losing will be fine. Yeah. But they're so young, and that they need that. They and, need that. And what do you think they need to look to do in the off season, no matter what happens this year? Yeah, they they need their two spot figured out, right? Yeah. Do they think it's Ben Matherin? Can I, he start I like, there? Yeah. What what? How has his development been for you? Scoring's down a bit. Yeah. Like per minute, but he's better at everything else, yeah. which is kind of what they wanted him to be this year, right? They need him to be like a team dude, right? Right. Pass more, better on the glass, defend better, and he's more accurate from three, which really matters. Still star potential. It, it's weird because, like, the list of dudes who had as good of a free throw rate as him last year as a rookie is, like, all-star players. All of them. It's so rare that rookies And you, you think he can still get to that level? But he hasn't, he hasn't this year. Uh, so that's what I said going into this year. Is like, yeah. if, he, if he gets better at passing and shooting and can still get to the line that well, yeah, he's going to be a star. But that, that hasn't happened, right? So I think he's trying to figure out how he can be Ben Matherin. It's just, like, tough-ass score at the rim gets the line kind of dude, and still be a winning player for the Pacers, which mm. 
does not require them having the ball that much because they have Tyrese Halliburton on their team, right? Yeah. So that's their next and maybe last. I mean, Neesmith's awesome for them. It's kind of like the LeBron thing. You need certain type of players around Tyrese, right? You do. Yeah. And so if they think Ben can be that guy, it, then great. They got their five and they need bench depth. But if not, they need to figure out the two spot. Yeah. And then it's Ty, Aaron, Pascal, Miles, and whoever that is. And then Matherin's just your super six man for the rest of the year. Mm. Sounds good. Uh, Tony, where can we find you? Social media. Thanks for taking the time in person. You know, it's yes. different when you take the time on a, a Zoom event. call, but you did it in person today, so I really yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, this is uh, in where I live, so this was nice. Yeah. Uh, Tony R. East on Twitter. I'll never call it the new thing. I'm always going to say Twitter. Uh, that's where I post everything there. Even I just do it for all, a bunch of places and chasing down everybody at All Star, so hopefully I have some fun stuff up for people there. You even chased me down, man. I did chase you down. <laughs> you coming, you. You're coming tonight, right? I should be there. I, mean, I was there last night, and I think I think I should be there tonight. Good, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Talk soon, man. You got it. There it is. Hope you enjoyed it. Big shouts to Tony East of Locked On Pacers for joining in in person, in studio, on this one. Shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks, for a first deposit match up to $100. Use code COMBO. That's right. Use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. It's also a great way to support this podcast i'll leave a link in the show notes for that prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy don't forget to subscribe to combos court wherever you tune in shouts to the nba report youtube channel you could catch a bunch of combos court videos on the nba report and be on the lookout for the next episode of combos court combo out